You arrange to meet up with somebody on a dating app. You arrive at the bar and they text you that they will be late and for you to order two fireballs while waiting for them. They never show up, so you just resort to thinking that you have been stood up. But then a guy sits a seat away from you at the bar and offers to buy you drinks and dinner so that you don't feel like your night has been wasted. He keeps insisting and there is a potential for you to have free drinks and dinner. What would you do? The premise of the story, the premise is here. What would you do in the circumstance? What do you do? Just, just come in, be like, listen, I'm a hoe. <laughs> Can't lie, during my hoe phase, I would have probably fallen for this. It's like free drinks and dinner, like, duh, <laughs> no brainer. And that is why I'm telling you this story today. Hi, I am in the presence of greatness yet again. Acknowledge it properly. Hi. Sorry, um, <laughs> the fuck? You look a bit lost, you're like, what is this girl all about? I think we have found you. That is, if you're into different structured stories, different exposés, different stories about people who have gone bad, who have turned their life to crime, or if you're into stuff like last meals and listening to stories about death row inmates and how they got there, how they got to eat their last meal, because there's a large variety, there's a vast variety on this channel, so make sure. If you are into all of that, to like this video, to subscribe for more. But now let's continue into that story because I really want to know what you would have done. Because yet again, I don't think all of us would have seen this kind of situation as the protagonist of this story luckily did with the help of a couple of people at the bar. So to set the scene again, let's say you have arranged to meet with the person on the dating app you have arrived at a bar and they're telling you they're just delayed. They're like stuck in traffic. But make sure you sit at the bar and that you order two fireballs. So like two shots of fireballs so that, you know, I immediately come through the door and I can spot you. Hey, that's a girl with the fireballs. That's my date. You do that. You text them about their ETA and they're just telling you it's 10 minutes more, 10 minutes more, stuck in traffic. They're just giving you random excuses. And you resort to thinking, it is what it is. I think this is the first time I'm gonna be stood up in my life. Hey, another story to tell my friends on a different day. And you just think, okay, I'm gonna wait for them like maybe 10 more minutes, then I'll drink these fireball shots and get out of here, go home. What else can I do? But then there's a guy that sits a seat away from you. So they're not like really close, really creepily. So they keep their distance. But you notice you haven't seen this guy walk in because you were clearly looking at the door, waiting for your date, being like, is he about to walk in? And you notice that this person has not walked in during that time. So they must have already been at the bar. They start chatting you up and you explain the situation. You're like, hey, this is ridiculous. I think I'm about to be stood up, but let me just, let me just give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, before I start chatting with you, let me just give them one last call. And you do. And not just that the call doesn't go through, it doesn't go to voicemail. It seems like the number is not in use. Now you're a bit pissed off. You're a bit agitated because it's not just like you're being stood up, but you're kind of being stood up 
publicly like this person is sitting next to you it has kind of wounded your ego because somebody else has now witnessed it and you also must be thinking okay have i also gotten catfish like his profile has probably disappeared off the face of the earth because apparently his number is no longer in use so he was what using a burner phone to set this whole thing up so you're kind of getting like really aggy and just pissed off so you don't start chatting with this guy. He's not that bad looking. He doesn't seem weird. He's asking like all the normal questions. He wants to buy you drinks and dinner and he wants to move the conversation to the table. Luckily for the protagonist of this story, she didn't get that pissed off. She didn't get pissed off because what she didn't realize at the time of this event is that she was gay. She was just not into men, so she didn't really care. And honestly, here being gay might have saved her life. I mentioned the alternative immediately because I think a lot of us would have been pissed off. Your ego would feel wounded and you would be like, well, I don't want to feel like my night has been wasted. This guy just politely asked me to move to the table with him. He's gonna buy me drinks and a dinner. Like, what do I have to lose? I don't have to go home with him. He doesn't have to know I'm not gonna go home with him. Just gonna have free drinks and dinner and get the hell out and go home. At least I didn't get out of the house for nothing. And this whole concept, if we are considering something sinister is going on, which we are in this story, spoiler alert, reminded me of the way narcissists operate. Like, whenever you hear a story about, like, a narcissist, about somebody who will turn out to be, like, a domestic abuser, for example, you have that concept of narcissists building you up only to break you down later. In this particular situation, we have somebody who has been brought to this bar that they have never been before. They have just been stood up, and they're feeling vulnerable and angry. And this person might be seeing that as a target and might be thinking about taking advantage of them. Usually this strategy, when used by narcissists and when used by domestic abusers, is used in such a way where they compliment you at first, they build you up, they make you feel like you're at their level, because of course they see themselves as superiors. So they do everything to begin with to make you feel like you're superior, because then that justifies them feeling like gods, having their god syndrome and feeling so above everybody else. But then, soon enough, as they build you up and now you start feeling like, yeah, I am the shit, well, then they can't have that because they are actually inferior and they're not actually at that level at all. So this is when their insecurities kick in and this is why they need to berate you and break you down. In these situations, then you would never have peace because they would berate you until you apologize. You apologize for what was probably, honestly, only their mistakes. And by you apologizing, they regain their superiority. They regain their primacy. Just think about this throughout the video because I think there might be something there if we are thinking this is some sort of scheming situation. But now you're back at the bar and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna start chatting with him. I'm not gonna move to the table with him yet, but yeah, let's start chatting here. So he was sitting like a seat away from you and this is when he sits right next to you. I personally think, I haven't read this anywhere, I think that he has moved seats to personally be more in control of what you're doing while sitting next to him. 
as he has now moved to sit right next to you, you're kind of picking up on the signs of the people around you, in particular the bartender and the waitress. Because you're literally sitting there and like in the corners of your eyes, you're just like noticing that they're very much attentive to you. This bartender is like checking up on you. It's like, hey, do you want me to maybe put these fireballs in the freezer for you? Do you want us to, you know, bring you any other drinks? Yeah, let's bring you guys drinks. What do you need? Then the waitress is approaching them. And this in particular is weird because if you remember, you're at the bar. This is not table service. So you're wondering, why the hell is this waitress so nice? She doesn't have to be. Like, I'm not bringing her any commission here by sitting at the bar. But wow, everybody in this bar is like super nice and attentive to me. Now, at some point during the night, you are still at this bar. You have given the fireballs to this waiter to put into the freezer. You kind of already forgot about them. And as you're sipping on that drink, you realize you need to use the toilet. So you just ask him, like, hey, can you take care of my purse and stuff? Like, I'm just gonna leave everything behind. Just go quickly to the toilet. It's like, no problem at all. So you go into the toilet, and even before you open the stall to go inside and pee, you realize that the waitress that has been attentive to you the whole night is actually walking into the toilet from, like, the employee entrance. And you're like... Oh, hi, yeah, you are like a bit weird, like a bit strange, like following me while I pee. But you look up and you notice the angst in her eyes. You notice there is some urgency to it. Because as soon as she realized that you got up to go to the toilet, she took her chance and went through the employee entrance to talk to you straight away. So you realize, okay, this is not a joke. What the hell is up? And the waitress called Morgan tells you that this guy was the one who brought you here. And you kind of start explaining, like, no, he wasn't. I started chatting with this guy online, like, I arranged to meet up with him at this place. It wasn't this guy. This guy just sat next to me. And she's like, no, 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 no. You don't know what I know. I didn't just walk into this employee entrance for no freaking reason. Me and this bartender realized that we were all attentive to you the whole night. Yeah, that's because we have seen him at this very place with multiple women. All of these women would sit at the bar, would order two fireballs, and would be waiting for a date. Then he would do the exact same thing as he did with you. He would sit down a seat away from you, and he would start chatting you up. All of these girls would eventually realize they have been stood up, he would offer to buy them dinner and drinks, and then they would move to table. And because now they were at the table, because a lot of these girls didn't even go to use the toilet, and because all of them would be really drunk by the end of the night, we didn't get a chance to warn any of these girls. And this is when the waitress Morgan tells to the protagonist of our story of the day, Jez. Jez, they are never seen again. And he clearly is. So whatever is going on, even if he is just a sleazebag who is picking these girls up, paying them for drinks and dinner, and then going home, sleeping with them, taking advantage of them, most probably raping them, judging by the amount of alcohol they had in their system, we would never see these girls again. And we would see him applying the exact same tactic. He always pays in cash, so we can't even call the police, because what do we report? It's like, hey, there's this guy at the bar that was chatting a girl up and then paid for her drinks and dinner. Oh my god, criminal action. And then she left with him. Like, what do you report? There is no crime to be reported here. So Morgan tells you, you need to go back, 
You need to get the hell out. Somehow you need to not react like we had this conversation. Don't react like you have been warned or you have been spooked. Also, immediately ask for a different drink because another thing that I didn't tell you so far is that when they would move to the table service, I would be serving the drinks and the food to both of them, right? And the amount of drinks that these girls would drink and the level of drunkness that they would reach during the night just never made sense. Like, they would have one, two drinks and just look completely wasted by the end of it. So, he might have spiked your drink already. So, Jess is there like, okay, so I'm just gonna go pee and then act like completely normal. Yep, yeah, yeah, cool, 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 cool. This conversation ends, Morgan leaves, just proceeds like everything is normal, she hasn't just went to the toilet after this girl. And Jess is now in this toilet stall thinking like, okay, I must like pull off the Oscar-worthy performance right now as I get out. But then she remembers Oh, my days, my purse. My purse is out there. My purse that has my ID. My ID that has my address on it. I just could only hope that this bartender kept an eye on him this whole night because what if this creep knows my address? He knows how to hunt me down regardless. She's like, why did I leave my purse behind? Before I tell you what happened once Jess did leave that toilet, let's focus a bit on how did he actually get her to the bar? Was it a scheme or was it all the same guy? How did this person get her there? So, at the time, Jess was around 25, and this was before Tinder. So, this was when Plenty of Fish was, like, the top one dating app. She actually just moved to Colorado, and she started chatting, trying to make friends on this app. She starts chatting with this guy named Jordan on the app. She tells him she's new in town, so it's his choice where they're gonna meet. She was smart. She didn't ever give him ideas that he can, like, pick her up from her place, but she was like, yep, you choose where we go. Like, I don't know, good places in town. This guy tells her, I know this great bar. It's called the Old Chicago, and it's in downtown Denver. Let's meet up there. And Jess is looking at it on the map, and she's like, okay, this is like 30-minute drive from where I'm at, but sure. I'm new in town. I will explore the area, and then I'm gonna meet this guy at the bar. No problem. Like, there's no fuss. You know, I'm exploring, like, a different part of town. But the way you and me are probably looking at this is that this is some place that he is familiar with. And this is the place where she is on his territory. And as Jess is still in the toilet, probably all of the red flags are running through her head. Like, the fact that when she was driving, it was like a smooth ride, it was 30 minutes on the dot. But then, when she arrived there, he would tell her that he was stuck in traffic. And she would be like, I mean, there's no traffic when I was driving. Like, where the hell is he coming from? But she's like, I don't know this town. He might have come from a completely different direction. Fuck it, let's trust him. But then, the last thing that he texted her was that he was actually held up, that he was pulled over. And she was like, didn't you tell me you were stuck in traffic? How were you speeding and also stuck in traffic? And she's now thinking like, oh my god, I should have picked up on this before. And also the fact that he asked me to sit at a bar. Why would he have asked me to sit at the bar? It wasn't because he was just gonna come in and then spot me from the door and we can easily spot each other. No. It was because they knew that if I was to be sitting at a table, I wouldn't be as exposed. If I was to have sat at a table and some creep would approach me, well, I would know that they're a creep because that's not something you do. And also the fact that I didn't notice him walk in 
means that he was already in. And she's like, Morgan was right. This must have been the guy that was communicating with me. Or he has a friend that has lured me in, in particular to meet with him. She's there like, oh my god, the bartender. The bartender offered to put the fireballs into the freezer. Not because he wanted to keep them chilled, because this guy is definitely gonna appear, but because he thought, like, this guy might spike them. He might freaking spike my drink. So Jazz is there like, cool. She's gonna get out of the toilet, just sell him some story that I'm actually gonna meet up with a friend and get the hell out of here. She continues chatting with him as if it was normal, but now she's picking up on things that she probably wouldn't have had it not been for this waitress. Like, how persistent he is. Once she rejects, like, to sit at the table and have dinner, she's like, no, actually, I'm not really feeling hungry. Just not in the mood, you know. I'm just being stood up. He's like, how about... No, actually, the food here is shit. So how about we actually go across? There's this bar, like, right here. I know of it. I know of this area. There's this bar. Amazing food. Amazing steaks. Let's, let's go there. To which Jess said, I actually kind of agreed to meet up with a friend after this date, and now I have kind of just sped that up, so I will be meeting up with her soon. This guy says, no problem. Bring your friend along. No, we're gonna go to the bar, like, right next door. It's, you know, like, literally, like, five minutes away, and you are ask your friend to meet you there. And she's like, no, like, no. Again, to bring this into perspective, if you had been stood up and somebody is offering to meet up with you and your friend, you might go for it. You might have been like, okay, I will be safe in this situation because my friend is going to be there. Or you could twist that around and be like, no, actually, my friend will meet us here and then all of us are going to go to this place. You might feel like you are in control of the situation. But what you might not realize is just how not in control you are because he offered to go to this other place before the friend arrives. Which means if he has a plan to do something with you, he could kidnap you between those two places. And even if not, even if your friend was to meet you at the bar and then walk somewhere to this secondary location with you, well, then if this is some organized crime, if somebody else is involved here, they might be waiting just outside and they might overpower both of you. And usually, I need you to understand, in these situations, these girls would sit with him and would move to the table immediately as he asked. Because they didn't want their night wasted. They would have free drinks and food. So he didn't even have to be this persistent. He didn't even have to try and convince them. Before I tell you the outcome of this story, let's focus on this for a second from the perspective of this being the recruitment tactic for human trafficking. When it comes to the Operation Fireball, it has been discussed online, whether it is just like an urban legend or whether it is actually like organized human trafficking ring. And just these traffickers getting really witty and understanding how to use the modern technology, how to use dating websites to lure these women in that nobody would miss or that they would be new in town. So the discrepancies are that usually the targets would be women or children, but they would be either like refugees or immigrants who would apply for jobs here. Not going to go in depth here. I have done the whole hour on Operation Fourth that you can watch after this video. 
but it would usually be women, children, or migrants. Somebody that the traffickers would perceive nobody would miss, or that they wouldn't report them missing for a substantial period of time. Also, there wouldn't be such an elaborate plan. They would either use online job ads, or they would use fake profiles online, and they would lure a victim into a location. They would take them by force. But usually the victims that would fall for sex trafficking are either, as we spoke about in Operation Ford, desperate for jobs, for better prospects in life in terms of financial gains. And in that particular video, we spoke about how they would have no other alternative. Otherwise, they would have definitely chosen that alternative. And when they would target them through the online dating websites, then they're looking for somebody desperate to be loved. Among the people that have been looking into trafficking, this has been known as the lover boy or Romeo pimp technique. And it is when somebody lures a vulnerable woman, gets her to believe that she is in a relationship with this person, to believe that she is loved, that she is the center of this world. And then after weeks or months of grooming and psychological abuse, the physical abuse would start and they would get them into sex work. So thinking about discrepancies, yes, Jess was new in town, but she did have family and friends that cared about her. She did have friends in this very town. Also, these traffickers, if you think about it yourself, if you can lure somebody for months and have, like, a really long game going, wouldn't that be a worse-off option compared to just targeting somebody vulnerable from your fake online profile, getting them to meet you somewhere on the street, on random side street, and kidnap them and go from there? But then when you look at it from the perspective of, okay, what if this is trafficking? Well, fraud has been used as in, this person clearly did set up a fake profile, so they're clearly hiding identity for some reason. Who the hell is the person next to me and how are they connected to it? Why have the waitress and the waiter both tried to alert me? Why have they been spotted in this bar chatting to multiple girls in these exact same circumstances? Like, if this was completely different, you would be like, okay, cool, he is just, like, trying to get these women and maybe, like, sexually assault them, which, again, criminal, but, like, it doesn't follow a certain pattern. Here, it clearly does. And just to put this problem into context, according to data by the U.S. National Human Trafficking Hotline, just between 2015 and 2018, almost 1,000 potential sex trafficking victims were recruited using the online social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Craigslist, as well as the online dating sites. And what we have to remember is that there is a reason as to why we don't hear about human trafficking cases. And it's not for the lack thereof. It's rather because it is hard to detect. We have limited data on how it operates. And if successful, well, none of these victims would be seen again, which again is something that happened in this case. If these women actually went home, if they're actually alive and safe and know something dodgy happened to them, let's talk about this as if it was, like, sexual assault. Well, how come that none of them reported this to the police, who would then maybe come to this bar to ask for Morgan and to ask for this bartender to be witnesses here, to see if a crime was actually committed? In my head, this just goes in the favor of human trafficking, because why have they never reappeared and were never seen in the area? 
Now let's go back to Jazz at that very bar again. What she's doing is working in terms of him showing his true colors. Because every time she says no to one of his offers, he proposes something else. And it's getting creepier by the second. After she said no to, like, meeting with a friend and then going to the bar, he says, what about a roof party? I know of a roof party in the area. I know this city and the back of my head, as you know. So again, you're thinking, okay, so he wants me to go into a building that I don't know nothing about to go to the roof with him. Yeah, no. Again, sir, I'm saying no. What is next? Like, what else can you think of? And Jess describes that from that point on, it just seemed like he was straight up telling her what to do. It started moving from, let's do this, why don't we do this? Why don't we, you know, go for food and drinks? I know of a place to like, yeah, we're doing it. And she just, again, said no. And at this point, she got really pissed and she was like, no, I am not going anywhere with you. And he got pissed off and just stood up and left. And she was just sitting at that bar, like now talking to this bartender, to this waitress. And she was like, I can't go out. I need to sit here until one of you finishes your shift. She's like, I'm scared. What if he is outside? I mean, what if he has my address? What if he knows which car is mine? I can't like leave. So for four hours, she's just sitting at this bar, just chatting with these two and just waiting for them to finish the shift. And the bartender eventually did. I think it was like midnight that night and then he walked her to the car. She drives home now and she gets home and immediately gets onto the dating profile and realizes, surprise, surprise, it has been deleted. So Jess actually did call the police and she just said, I mean, I don't know if you just want to maybe note this down. There's no really a statement. There's no really a case here. But I just wanted to make somebody aware that this is happening. And the police said, I mean, we can't do anything. We can't take the statement down. Like, what kind of crime are you reporting here? There's no crime. After this, how we know of this story is because it landed on the podcast Something Was Wrong, Jess was interviewed by the podcast host, and then Crime Junkie host heard of the podcast. She has covered Operation Fireball and then has done a follow-up because Crime Junkie is one of like the top 10 on the charts every single week. So women all around the US actually wrote into them. Women from all over the U.S. wrote in, and some of them said, this happened to me in 2009. Some of them said, oh, it happened to me in 2019. It seemed like a pattern. They say, the guy in my case would ask me to order two shots of tequila. The other woman would say, no, 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 it was definitely fireball in my case. So the drink that they would be ordering would be different, but everything else stood exactly the same. So this is truly where we stand at the moment when it comes to Operation Fireball. So to sum it up, what doesn't make it look like a human trafficking ring is the fact that these women in any of these cases were not outcasts. And as such, and by the fact that all of these women did write in, means that they're still alive, so they haven't been outsmarted by this ring. If we are thinking about the outcasts, about people that the police would immediately see as runaways, and if we are really thinking about these guys aiming at just people that are new in town, just whoever, 
on the dating app and that these girls actually end up going missing, well, in that case, somebody would have reported the missing, right? And then they would look at their last location. Police would have made it to this bar. They would have questioned this bartender and this waitress or just in any other state. They would have made it to the place where they were last seen. In every single one of those cases, what they should be doing then is looking at the CCTV footage, seeing if there is this one person that has appeared and has lured this woman in and asking them who this guy is, trying to locate this person, trying to see if they have a criminal record. But this didn't happen. So this goes in favor of nothing sinister is happening here. Nothing wrong to see. There is no crime. Just like in Jazzy's case, when she called the police, what crime can you even report? But that doesn't apply if the police will see these women as runaways. If Jess was to have gone missing, even though she did have friends and family that loved them, well, for how long do you think they wouldn't have taken it seriously? Or they wouldn't have taken that report? Because the police here would say, well, she is new in the city. She has just moved away. Like, she wants to live her life. She might not be just checking in with her friends and family. She might just not be catching up this very moment. And then, by the time that they would have maybe taken it seriously... Maybe there wouldn't be the CCTV footage. Maybe Morgan and the bartender wouldn't even be working at a bar like that. And then this means that something like this would have gone unnoticed. And when thinking about how this might fit human trafficking, from what we know, there is no guidebook. And there is no guidebook because we know so little. So we can't fully say, yes, this definitely sounds like human trafficking case, but we can't also fully discard it as such. Because it does fit a lot of things that we know about when it comes to recruitment of human trafficking victims, such as having a fake online profile that then ends up being deleted, trying to lure the women into the area that they know nothing about, pretending you're one person but then another person waits for them, making them feel unsafe at this unknown territory, trying to get them to a secondary location, which who knows where that would have ended up with. So I just don't think that there is enough reasoning for us to completely discard this. And also, human traffickers will get witty. They will get familiar with the common technology that people use today. What, do you think like they're gonna stick to like Craigslist or like MySpace? No. If they want to stay in business, they will keep up to date. They will get smarter and smarter about it. So this, by now, might already be the old tactic, especially if they have heard about people covering Operation Fireball, and they might have already moved on to something else. And that is the eerie, eerie prospect, because at best, and I say that under inverted commas, what was happening here was... Maybe some guys just following one of those, like, how to seduce women, you know, like one of those sleazebag freaking masterclasses of people who are pretending to be like seductors on the internet and giving guidance to men and how to lure them into their beds. I mean, at best, and I say that very loosely, but at best, that is what is happening. And all of these women are ending up going home and possibly being sexually assaulted and just not reporting it because maybe they can't even freaking remember it because they were roofied. And at worst, nobody has seen any of these women, well, because they are in a human trafficking ring and can't get out. 
So that is the grim, grim story of the potential human trafficking scheme, better known as the Operation Fireball. Have you heard about this from Crime Jockey, from Stephanie Sue, from anybody else covering this? What do you think about it? Do you think there is some legitness to it? Or do you think, like, maybe it is just an urban legend? Maybe it is just people coming up with stories? And then again, ask yourselves why? What is the agenda? Why would all of these people be coming up with these stories? I am of belief that we should always believe the victim. Believe the women. Believe them until you can prove beyond reasonable doubt that this did not happen. And you can't really prove it here because there are like hundreds accounts like this. And there are people backing up their stories. So the note I'm leaving you on today is believe women first, yeah? And then, like, doubt it later once you have the evidence. Do you have the evidence to doubt this so far? Mm. Do you? Maybe you do. In that case, do let me know, because I want to know. This is the one story where I kind of hope there will never be a follow-up. But also, if there is, I would very much like to be the one to expose and make people aware of it. And now, I shall see you guys next time. And enjoy some weird, weird outtakes. And being gay, honestly, (laughs) being gay saves lives. Being gay saves lives. Say it with me, being gay saves lives. No, being straight is genuinely the worst. I'm not even kidding when I say this. (laughs) Being gay saves lives. Put it on a shirt. Being gay saves lives. It saves lives. You know what? I'm gonna share something. The other day, I woke up and I told my husband, I was like, listen, if I wake up one day and I can actually picture myself eating girl out, and I can actually picture myself eating a girl out, it's over for men. It's over for you and it's over for men. So see, this is what I need. I'm so close. I'm so close. If I could picture myself actually, you know, pleasing a girl, Tour for men, fucking. This is the level of closeness that I met to being lesbian. It was always close, but now it's like the, the men just do not deserve women. Fuck it. The same way if you're lost and somebody picks up on it and they're like, hey, are you lost? Do you need help? No. I can drive you wherever. No. No, you can't, sir. No, I do not care. No, I will just go to this cafe, connect to the internet. Like, no, I'm actually waiting for somebody. This is my face. This is my face. I'm sorry that you have misconstrued it for me looking lost, but this is actually my face. So, uh, Lord, get the fuck out. Because, like, what, what, what comeback are they gonna have to you saying this is my face? It's like Maya's tips in life. Just tell them whatever the reaction people try to misconstrue you're having. This is my face. No, I'm not lost. I know exactly where I'm at. Don't ask me, though. I don't want to make you feel shit because of how well I actually know this area. You, you're a fucking amateur and this is my face, so get lost. Always, always go into the aggressive side. <laughs> or start pulling your hair and acting all crazy. They will leave. They don't want anything to have with a crazy person. Yeah. And somebody sits at a table and the other person approaches the mirror like, you must be like... If I was to be sitting at a table and some bitch approaches me, they better be Michael B. Jordan, okay? I'd lose my plot. I would lose all of my senses instantly. It would be immediate COVID-19 situation. (laughs) And you resort to thinking, it is what it is. I think I'm being stood up. It happens to somebody. (laughs) take care of my purse and everything. I'm just gonna go pee and then, like, I'll be back.
<laughs> the lingo you would use I'm like I'm gonna take a dump I'm gonna take a fucking nasty as shit I ate this today <laughs> I would be so gross <laughs> I would be the worst person to ever like kidnap or just I would be the worst person to even consider like trafficking <laughs> The person would be there like, if I traffic her and keep her in a cage, she's just gonna shit all over it, isn't it? She's just gonna be super gross about it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta make them. On the first day, it's a make or break. If, if they can't handle you talking about like, are you gonna pee or poop? I mean, they, they ain't right. They're, they're sinister. Something sinister is going on. 